0: Welcome to an episode of The Chronicle, the official film podcast for the PeopleMovies.com. My name is Paul, I'm your host, I'm also the editor of The People's Movies and also The Chronicles in Film, which was the original home for The Chronicle. So this is episode 7 and thank you for joining me and thank you for joining me, telling me all your nice, kind words from the previous episodes. So for this week's episode... We have three uh, reviews. The first review will be from Wes Anderson's new movie, Asteroid City. Then we have a new Blu-ray release from the fantastic uh, Eureka video and the Lady Report starring Cynthia Rothrock. And we do have a TV episode and that is The Walking Dead Dead City episode 1. First review for this week is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. And that will take us back to the 1950s. And we not before. The only way to describe it is like a, a Twilight Zone, sort of 1950s Twilight Zone. And the whole world gets introduced to us by none and a Brian Cranston. So basically, as I said, we're in the 1950s and in the little town of Asteroid City. And the only way to describe that town is... It's just like a little pop-up town in the middle of the desert. And and then this place here we're having the a junior Stargazer Space Cadet Convention, which was organized to bring together students and parents across the country. To obviously it's like a sort of fellowship scholarly competition for them. And basically something spectacular happens during the event and it's a world-changing event. Asteroid City is a tiny place. It's only a bit population of seven. So obviously you see, first you see the the long cargo train going past and uh, in the background you actually see a nuclear bomb getting tested and then you see this uh, uh, signpost saying welcome to Asteroid City, population of seven. But obviously once a year this convention happens and it triples and population triples right up. So the main uh, characters in this are Jason Schwartzman. He plays Augie Steinbeck, and he's with his kids. We well, obviously his son uh, played by drake Ryan, who's Woodrow, and he's on his way to meet his uh, father-in-law, who's played by Tom Hanks, who is uh, one of the newbies in the Wes Anderson uh, film universe. What we do learn is uh, Augie's wife has actually died due to the illness. Uh, And obviously, Augie's taking his kids to see their grandfather. However, they do break down in Asteroid City. And this is the moment uh, the kids or the families come for the the actual convention. So we start to meet the characters there, here and there. And uh, eventually, we get to see the actual convention as well. And as I said, something drastically does happen as well. And this sort of sets up the events... Uh, for the actual uh, uh, film, and uh, basically, t- after what happens, the turn is into a, a quarantine. And um, through this, we can start telling a lot of stories about Augie and his family. The there are characters like played by Skelt hands, she, she gives you this, uh, she's like a, a, a playing an actress and uh, a worship actress, and she's given that sort of Janet Lee persona. As well, we I mean, learn their little stories, uh, meet the characters who are there. Steve Carell, he plays like the owner of the, the little, sort of, uh, let's say, holiday village. It's here, all the other regulars are there, like Willem Defoe, Jeffrey White, he plays like the sort of police constable of the little place. Tilda Swinton's there, Ed Norton, and we see Ed Norton, we see him basically the film set up into uh, acts and scenes. And uh, Brian Cranston, he's sort of Describes what's happening, and this is where Ed Norton he he sort of plays the writer who's creating the story of Asteroid City, as well. And Lee schreiber is there. Matt Dallin's in there, and Rupert Friend. And Rupert Friend, has he plays like a he you know the sort of the old cowboy, you know, like the nineteen fifties. A a cigarette, American cigarette it's like the old sort of old time cowboy. He sort of dressed like with the blue denim, but he's here with his band as well, and one of the band members I didn't realise until after the film uh, he's playing the blues at Washboard, and it's uh, not than Pulp's uh, Jarvis Cocker, who I believe Wes Anderson's a big fan of the band uh, Pulp, so that's possibly one of the reasons why he's actually in there so obviously we're we going bit the quarantine see what happens here and uh, and as I said, this set sets up the story for things ha- happen. And suddenly, as the quarantine, just set the quarantine, the place becomes a bit of a tourist chat with fairground ground events there and people taking pictures and you name it. And uh, Augie and Mitch, who's uh, Scarley Hansen cat, they seem to connect well between each other. And and, Augie, he's a bit of a photographer and he starts taking pictures and sometimes a little bit naughty as well. But it it truly does set things up as well. And uh, what I will say is uh, when the quarantine's lifted, obviously life just starts to go back together life in a little town, and the crib bombs are getting off, and there's a little CGI Roadrunner, which is a bit of a, a funny character we get through it as well, pops out of there. So often what I did not mention, the OCC, the, the old-fashioned police car chase as well, happened as, as in the film, I probably not get any more uh, new converts to Wes Anderson's uh, fan club, despite it actually being one of the very few of his films which... I would consider is is most accessible film to date. It's also one of his shortest because it only runs around about an hour and forty an hour and forty five minutes, as well. And and Wes Anderson's own fans they will adore this film. Not and it, and it does have his usual visual trademarks, uh, stylings here throughout. But it does have some aura. Trademark stylings here, or I wouldn't say sorry, trademark stylings. Stylings here, you've maybe not necessarily seen much in Wes Anderson movies, a la Durga's especially with a sort of visual, sort of beautiful visual style. If anyone's actually seen the trailer, you can actually see that visual style there. And what basically this film is, it, it, it plays in the sort of family and the grief and how family and grief copes as well, but it also plays in the stories that we tell and how we frame our lives. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's like a little bit like Chinese whispers. So, if someone tells your story, you go and tell someone else's story, but you slightly change the story and it just goes round and round. It is obviously playfully Anderson esque as well, but it's also very heartbreaking at times because it becomes a lot more darker than any of these other films as well. And it is a little bit complex. I shall say, it is a funny and charming uh, film it's also devastatingly heartbreaking at times as well and i would give this film three stars <music> next film to be reviewed this week is lady report which is one of the latest films on the absolute fantastic uh, eureka entertainment line it's released through their uh, eureka classics and it's a uh, as i said it's lady report but she's also known as the blonde fury as well, and Cynthia Rothrock, if anyone knows her action movie, especially from the 1980s and 1990s, she is regarded as one of the the leading ladies of the martial arts action uh, movies as well. And I don't know if many people know, she is one of the first and only Western actresses to actually take lead in a Hong Kong film. And this Hong Kong film is released by Golden Harvest, and anyone knows the Hong Kong movies from things like Hard Boil to the Chow Yun films, to the most recently a uh, Arrow Arrow Video released uh, Bruce Lee films. These are all from Golden Harvest as well. So that's from stars Ronnie Do, Elizabeth Lee, Billy Chow, Jeff Falcon, and Vincent Lin, and also the director Mang Hoi. And this film, a uh, sees Rofrock. She stars as Sunday, and she is a FBI agent who is sent who's from the San Francisco side of the police, FBI, who specializes in the uh, Chinese crime. And she is sent to Hong Kong to investigate a newspaper editor uh, who is called uh, Ronnie Dak. And a uh, who is using his newspaper to uh, counterfeit uh, money as well, to sort of swindle the money as well. And basically, when we do meet her, she is uh, met by one of her friends, and she quickly goes to the interview to get interviewed by the newspaper where the alleged things are actually happening. And she quickly gets a job, and then she starts getting a tour, realising there's one little part, which is like a sort of yellow... Sort of striped area, where she's not actually allowed to go into. She says it's only the editors, the sub-editors, and certain other editors are actually allowed to go here. Obviously, we will find out exactly what's happening there, and we do it. We do uh, shortly, but before we get to that stage, uh, she goes on her first assignment to start taking pictures, get the scoop of what's going on, and it's like a, a fire that's happening in this building, and it's chaos around there. And then she hears like, a woman trying to get in, get her baby in the fire. And she's sent to the, the building, and the next minute she's jumping out the building with the baby, rescuing the baby. And there's a rival newspaper there, and they they take a scoop of the picture, and start taking pictures, no realising who she is. They they believe she's actually an escort, and and then eventually they realise she's actually working for the rival uh, newspaper. So this newspaper, we do start to learn about them, and uh, the the journalist, photojournalist, journalist. Who is actually the, the director of the film, Mang Hoy. He goes back and starts showing these pictures to his farah, who's the editor, plus Wu Ma. And we see the the actual place that they're in. They're actually counter, counterfeiting pictures but have got the secretary just lying over a table and they're pouring blood over her face, her arms, her legs. Because there, there was somebody get mutilated recently, so they're trying to use that as the pictures to Putting the newspapers, but hearing in the background phone calls that people are saying, if you don't do this, they're in big, big debt. And we learn that the the staff don't actually get paid, as well. So we we'll go back to a uh, Sunday, and when she starts, set, uh, uh looking at the the place where she's trying to find out what's behind this yellow striped line area, and she finds out it's actually in there, and but. She spooks the criminals who end up moving the actual whole uh, thing that they do to another area as well. And that sort of spooks the operations as well. So there's a lot of comedy moments in this. It is an action comedy, I will say that. And there's one bit where Cindy is fighting on like scaffolding, very dodgy sort of scaffolding. And one point she kicks this one of the guys that's attacking her and the way to describe it, when she kicks the back, it splits in half, and it's like one of the crash, uh, crash test dummies. Uh, I, I think it was done deliberately, but it was very, very... It made me actually laugh as well at this point. And, uh, and when we do see the action scene, and the action is very, really, really good as well. And some, it's sort of slow moving, when she's kicking punching people, and maybe people are flying through uh, tables or glass doors or windows as well. So back to when everyone gets exposed we do learn we, we get back to the photojournalist who misses another scoop where he nearly gets knocked down by someone we learn is Prosecutor you, who eventually as he goes further past past him gets actually kidnapped and Prosecutor you as we do learn is actually Judy who's Cindy's friend whose name is Farah, as well. So obviously they're trying to find out where what happened to you, because what happens is, prosecutor you is the prosecutor who's going to uh, go against uh, Ronnie Dak. And what they actually do, they get in, they kidnap him, they inject him, and he starts talking about gobbledygook at the actual court hearing. And starts quoting things for he man and things like that, and it's, it's it's actually quite quite funny as well. So, overall, Lady Reporter is a very silly film, but it's a very fun film, and the acting is cheesy at times. And it's one of the films where you can actually say it's so bad, but it's so good as well. As I said, the fighting and the action scenes are top notch, and they do vary from that sort of comedic uh, to very uh, serious. We but like way Jackie Chan and other very similar uh, martial art actors uh, have, have to do it as well. And there is one scene where it's very exhausting and tiresome for. Send him when she's up against a, a Thai boxer. Visually, this was uh, redone into a 2K restoration, which is roughly like, about 1080. It looks great, the colours, nice balance of colours, For it isn't 100% uh, uh, perfect as well, because the dub this is if you love your nostalgia. I <laughs> love the dubbing because it's pretty, pretty bad. It's like it's still the, the dubbing you get back in the 80s because this film's from 1989 as well. It is very cheap. However, we'd get two versions of this film. I watched the theatrical version, which uh, which has the actual. Uh, tell a lie, I watched the export expert version. I don't know why it's called the expert version, but I said the dodgy dubbed uh, 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 dubbing. The theatrical version has the original Cantonese, but has English subtitles, and the sound in there is a lot, lot better as well. As ever, this is a, as I said, this is a unique entertainment release. And it comes with an array of extras, including a collector's booklet, and a lot of the other interviews, including a brand new one with Cynthia Rock Rock, herself, audio commentaries and uh, other video essays and printed essays as well. The human itself uh, doesn't always work, but as I said, the action does save the day here. And I would actually give this film three and a half stars. And for the final review for this week's uh, episode, episode seven, is a bit of a... Uh, actually, say a little exclusive because it's not actually released yet. In the UK, when I mean the UK, I mean there's not actually a, we don't actually know which uh, streaming channel or TV channel it's actually short. And that's The Walking Dead Dead City, which is obviously another spin-off from The Walking Dead uh, universe, which involves two of the actual fan favourites from the original series. That's Maggie and Negan, who are played obviously by Lauren Cohen and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Obviously, the main series, uh, The Walking Dead, is now over, and uh, the first spin-off series, The Fear of the Walking Dead, which is now in its final season. I think it's the last six or seven episodes. The question is, how far can they actually take this franchise before it becomes very, very redundant? So, this spin-off series is to see it really. It's to see more of the two of the most favourite characters. In the original series back on the tv screens doing what they actually do best and the thing is can they consistently keep uh things consistently through six episodes it is a big task even though it's just uh, six episodes uh even though, even though there's no very many episodes here and I, I really do they want to go into another another uh, uh season after that so for this one uh Dead City, Dead City is basically post-acopic like uh, Manhattan. And Maggie and Negan, they have to travel here. And Manhattan has been cut off from the mainland here, and it's a Cumberland city, and it's full of the dead, and it's full of Denzians who have made New York City a world of uh, anarchy, danger, and beauty and terror. So once again, Maggie's son, Herschel, has gone missing again he's been taking it hostage as well. So Maggie obviously needs the help of Negan to get his, uh, to get into the city and get our, our son back as well. And The Walking Dead, that, the early episodes of uh, the seasons of The Walking Dead set the benchmark so high, which some of the later episodes, uh, seasons actually struggle to do consistently. And, and it made any spin-off it shows quite, uh, hard to actually rise above that uh, level and and it obviously this has added, added pressure onto the now spin-off new spin-off series so from the start the CGI isn't the best at it times it's actually pretty bad at times in early parts of the first episode they do feel like you're in a sort of post-apocalyptic world but it's one that's more societal breakdown than an actual zombie pandemic and when, when our characters do finally get to Manhattan, things start to feel like some like like are in drug Carpenter's Escape from New York, a a scenario where there's a world that's rather than a world that's ravaged by the the undead. That kind of thing is pretty solid from a uh, Cohen and Morgan. As for the errors, that's say uh, up and down, I will say for there, but what. We don't clearly get to see their true motivations why they're doing this, but why both of them are sticking together. It's very hard to decipher what that is and, and how it will tie into the story and how and what's at sort a of time we are actually in, in the, the Walking Dead timeline as well. We do hope that this spin-off does focus more on the human characters, obviously Maggie and Negan. Uh, and it does look like it may do, go that direction rather than uh, the actual walkers, the zombies, who become more secondary, but they will get, obviously get involved in the story. One of the questions is, we do see a, uh, someone tracking Negan, but who is it who wants Negan, Negan from his past captured? It's the Babylon Marshals who uh, are after him, and if anyone's seen the Fear of The Walking Dead, especially the latter seasons, you will have recognised these muscles before, because I have peered in it before. But the question is, how many more times can we live off the story of Ersel running away from his mum? It's okay to have a bit of odd n- nostalgia here and there. That's absolutely fine. But if this series, the The Walking Dead, uh, Dead City is going to live off nostalgia, the Dead City, this series might actually struggle. It is a show. It's meant to showcase what life is out for humanity outside the main walking dead universe so i would actually give this a uh, first episode uh, three stars there you have it folks There's another episode episode seven of the chronicle once again thank you for joining us uh today please obviously do comment like rate uh, this episode and do share this episode and previous episodes uh, with your fans and uh, f- sorry, with your friends and family on social media. Remember to obviously keep an eye on uh, thepeoplesmovies.com for future episodes. You can learn about them by sign up to the emailing list Add your email on the email list, which you can find on the right hand side of the People's Movies, the ba- the banner just there. As for uh, the Chronicles film, which was the original uh, home for the Chronicle, that will will have what we call the Chronicle Extra episodes there. Every so often, I may really start an episode there. We have a few extra reviews for films that week. Maybe a few nostalgic films as well. So keep an eye on there. Keep an eye on the social media, like at The People's Movie on Facebook and also on Twitter at CIF underscore UK on the Chronicles eh, on eh, Twitter. You can find the episodes of sonypeoplesmovies.com, but also things like Spotify, eh, Anchor, Radio Public, Podbean, Podchaser, Castbox, Amazon, and other eh, usual places you can get your your podcasts. So do remember to follow us and do remember to comment as well, and occasionally you will hear me on uh, Scary Monsters and Super Geeks, which happens on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock on Voodoo Radio Online. This episode is recorded on Sunday the 25th. I will be on this week's uh, episode. Other than that, thank you for joining us. Until the next episode, enjoy the movies.